Section Zero of the Medici, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. The Medici, Volume One by G. F. Young. Section Zero. Preface and Prologue. Preface. There are, in English, several histories of three or four of the more important members of the Medici family, but there is none, either in Italian or English, of that family as a whole, the history of no less than nine out of thirteen generations having remained hitherto unwritten. The history of the Medici is a deeply interesting story, while, beside its intrinsic interest, it helps us to acquire much knowledge about the rebirth of learning and art, about the history of Europe in perhaps its most important period, about the birth of science and about the great collections of art possessed by Florence. For without referring largely to all these subjects, no true picture of the Medici can be given. My aim has been to write of them as a family, their rise, their course upon the mountain tops of power, and their decline and end, and to keep the parts always in subordination to the whole. It may perhaps be thought that more might have been said in the case of one or two members of the family, but to have gone into greater detail regarding individuals would have had the effect of obscuring the general view, besides making the book far too long. This history takes a somewhat different view of the Medici from that which has hitherto generally obtained. It is a strange fact that in their case, the violent partisanship which swayed the historians of their time has been carried on into our own, and writers about them, whether belonging to their age or ours, are banded into two furiously opposing camps, making it very difficult to arrive at a true estimate. Those on the one side can see no faults, and give a picture which one feels to be untrue to life by reason of its successive eulogy, while to those on the other the name of Medici appears to act like an intoxicant, rendering them incapable of seeing what the very facts recorded by themselves demonstrate, and making even facts telling strongly in favour of those concerned appear to such writers only to show a subtle policy towards a nefarious end. And it is those of the latter type who have been best known, and have consequently been followed by writers who, in guidebooks on the art and history of Florence, have had occasion to allude to the Medici. There have been Florentines of note, now passed away, well read in the archives of their country, who have said that if only the world at large could study those archives, it would discover that the time-honoured view of the Medici which has thus grown up was to a very large extent unjust and far from the truth, but their voices have not been generally heard. To whitewash historical characters is as great an offence to history as to traduce them, and the view to which I have gradually been led regarding the Medici has not been due to any original bias in their favour. On the contrary, I began the study entirely imbued with the time-honoured theory I have mentioned, and was only brought by degrees to a different opinion by coming to see that the admitted facts refused over and over again to square with the view of this family usually presented to us. I have therefore preferred to judge those concerned by their acknowledged deeds, rather than by comments thereon which, 
emanating from writers violently biased against them, are found uniformly attributing good actions to ignoble motives, or distorting those actions until they become full of impossibilities. Avoiding any attempt to make out the Medici as either this or that, I have endeavoured, eschewing all legends, to detail simply the facts for which we have evidence. No crimes attributed to them have been omitted or slurred over. If the result is to show the Medici in a better light than hitherto has been the case, that is not due to any desire to whitewash them, but is simply the consequence of a want of any evidence for a large proportion of those crimes which have furnished the darker shades in the traditional picture of this family. I have also endeavoured to leave the facts to speak for themselves as far as possible, to narrate rather than to explain, leaving readers to form their own conclusions, as I am confident that in this way what the Medici were and did is likely to be more forcibly appreciated. As regards the elder branch of the family, this book relates for the first time the histories of Giovanni di Bicci, Piero il Gottoso, and Lorenzo, Duke of Urbino, brings to notice certain points not previously known with reference to Cosimo, Pater, Patriae. The manner in which that title was given to him and his singular tomb and throws some new light on the character and deeds of Lorenzo the Magnificent. It takes a different view from that hitherto held regarding Pope Leo X, Catherine de Medici and Pietro the Unfortunate, and it discloses for the first time the inner history of Pope Clement VII, the scheme which he formed, the manner in which he carried it out, and the motives underlying his hitherto imperfectly understood political manoeuvres with Charles V, Francis I, and Henry VIII. As regards the younger branch of the family, this history is the first that has been written. In this portion of the subject, the most notable points are the various important achievements of Cosimo I and Ferdinand I, the character and importance of Eleonora di Toledo, the history of Anna Maria Ludovica, a member of the family who has been practically unknown, though most deserving of record, the solution of a problem long unsolved connected with the feeling regarding the Medici in their own city, the unveiling, through the results of recent research, of many misconceptions regarding Cosimo I and his sons, the exposure of such errors as the common one of supposing that the palace known as the Pitti Palace was built by that family instead of by the Medici, the demonstration of the unique connection of the Medici with the birth of modern science, and the disclosure of the immense gift made by the last of the Medici to Florence. In the absence of any history of this portion of the family, it has not been recognised that the deeds of the younger branch in the domain of literature, art and science were, though different in character, of scarcely less importance than those of the elder branch. The elder branch advanced learning and art by the liberal expenditure of their wealth in that cause, their enlightened patronage, and their artistic taste, their art collections, however, being swept away. The younger branch did for science what the elder branch had done for learning, 
while it was they who collected all those artistic treasures which now form the attraction of florence thus this portion of the history necessarily furnishes a large amount of information which was hitherto entirely wanting regarding the artistic possessions of florence lastly as regards art this book explains for the first time the meaning of certain pictures hitherto misunderstood but whose true meaning a complete study of the medici history reveals the chief of these are gozzoli's frescoes in the ricardi palace the medici palace to which frescoes an entire chapter has been devoted and the true meaning of botticelli's pictures the adoration of the magi fortitude the birth of venus the primavera and calumny it also brings to notice a hitherto unknown statue by gian de bologna called the genius of the medici a hitherto unknown portrait of the celebrated clara strozzi of whom it had been supposed that no portrait existed and a hitherto unknown portrait of the princess violante beatrice of whom it had been supposed that no portrait existed and gives the first reproduction of a lost portrait of madalena eldest daughter of lorenzo the magnificent of the recently discovered portrait by raphael of giuliano third son of lorenzo the magnificent which had been lost for three hundred and fifty years and of nine other portraits of members of the medici family which have not previously been known and it demonstrates that the recent theories put forward regarding several of botticelli's most important pictures are erroneous in the chapters relating to the earlier members of the family short notices have been introduced of the prominent artists of the time not merely in order to show to how large an extent the medici were concerned in their steady advancement to greater achievements but still more because this is essential if the medici are to be shown in their proper setting the favourite method of separating the history of the time from the history of its art would in this case have been exceptionally destructive for it would have excluded from the biographical sketch of each head of the family that which in the case of many of them was their chief interest in life and even to place such notices at the end of the chapter would have caused a similar separation the course adopted preserves better that close touch with the world of art which is here essential while it also assists to maintain the due sequence of events in regard to art these notices cease after the time of the interregnum fourteen ninety four to fifteen twelve to have continued them beyond that point when the tuscan school which so long led the way began to merge into the larger field of italy would have had the effect of obscuring the history of the medici with matters in which they had ceased to be any longer an important factor in the earlier chapters short abstracts have been given from time to time of contemporary events taking place in other countries as this course though unusual is i think in the case of a history of this kind helpful by keeping it in touch with general history as it proceeds the need for such abstracts gradually decreases as the history of the family advances in regard to the vexed question of references to authorities i have endeavoured to steer a middle course between quoting chapter and verse for every statement 
a method as much loathed by the general reader as it is liked by scholars and quoting no authorities at all either method is of course open to criticism from one side or the other but i think the middle course adopted is that likely to be preferred by most readers in the notices on contemporary artists i freely used extracts from other writers in detailing the special characteristics of the art of various painters and sculptors as on such a subject it has seemed to me preferable to quote the words of others whose opinion must necessarily have far greater weight than my own i desire specially to acknowledge my indebtedness to mr f a hyatt's florence in regard to the characters of cosimo pater patriae and lorenzo the magnificent to mr e armstrong's chapter in volume three of the cambridge modern history in regard to the administration of tuscany under cosimo i to his lorenzo de medici in regard to the character and writings of the latter and to count pasolini's life of catherine sforza in regard to that remarkable ancestress of the later generations of the medici also to miss hope reyes donatello mrs aides fra angelico mr langton douglas's fra angelico and d williamson's perugino in regard to the art of those masters original research has been carried out chiefly though of course not entirely with regard to that portion of the history relating to the last six generations of the family and here a very large part of the information has even more than from books and manuscripts been gathered from what buildings and tombs pictures statues and monuments have to tell these having proved as valuable a mine of information as the records of the archives added to this i am also indebted to the researches of the late professor g e saltini for much valuable information in regard to this portion of the history of the family this book is written primarily for the general reader but not exclusively so and i trust that scholars may find in it not a little that is new to them both in the domain of history and of art at the same time it does not pretend to be more than a very inadequate memorial of this interesting family and none know its imperfections so well as myself g f y florence twelfth of october nineteen ten the medici prologue in the fifth century storm upon storm out of the dark north swept away in a great deluge of barbarism all the civilization of the western half of the roman empire from the atlantic to constantinople and from the rhine and danube to the deserts of africa all that was learned and cultivated all that was artistic and beautiful was overwhelmed in an avalanche of ruin in which not only the triumphs of architecture literature and art produced by many centuries of a high civilization but also those who could create such things afresh were involved in one general destruction then after a night of thick darkness obscuring everything in western europe for two hundred years during which these barbarian races are battling over the dead corpse of the roman empire comes in the eighth century charlemagne creating a brief light for forty years 
but on his death the darkness settles down again wrapping all in gloom and again we read barbarism and confusion reigned throughout western europe for a hundred and fifty years meanwhile from arabia another deluge that of the mohammedans sweeps in succession over the fair countries forming the eastern half of the empire creating there also a similar desolation gradually all that is left of the art and letters of the roman empire takes refuge in constantinople where it remains shut up surrounded west north east and south by the barbarian flood at length in the twelfth century the re-civilization of the west is begun by the discovery in italy of the code of the roman law then come in the thirteenth century niccolo pisano and in the fourteenth century dante giotto and petrarch to arouse men again to a sense of the beautiful and the cultivated and art and literature begin to flow back to their long-deserted western home and so out of the very grave of that old civilization of rome buried deep nine centuries before comes the new inspiration the rebirth but as yet there was none with power to make these efforts produce their full fruit none with the power to unearth the treasures so long buried to spread a knowledge of them throughout the west and to make the voices of those long dead begin again to speak while after these forefathers of the renaissance had passed away art and literature threatened again to die and the movement thus inaugurated to become but local and temporary and then in the city which had produced three of these men arose a family who with the power of wealth and with a great love for these things lifted learning from its grave spread a knowledge of it throughout europe gave art the encouragement it needed in order to advance to its highest achievements and made that city the athens of the west end of section zero